Welcome to I'm Obsessed With This, the Netflix podcast about the shows and films viewers cannot get enough of, sort of like how none of us can get enough of Corsicana, Texas, suddenly. Today, I'm joined in studio by senior editor of the Features Desk at Vice.com, Kate Drees. How are you? You're drinking water. Yes, I You didn't want seltzer. You didn't want coffee. You didn't want tea. You didn't want kombucha. You didn't want anything. You just wanted tap water. I don't drink any of those other beverages, so... I mean, I drink tea when I'm sick, but otherwise... Otherwise, no. No, I don't like caffeine. I don't really like carbonation. So there you go. I'm kind of just left with the with the classic. <laughs> That's fine, though. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Are you excited to talk about cheer? Yeah, I am so excited to talk about cheer. Okay. Well, hold your excitement because we're not going to do that yet. <laughs> okay, cool. This is a show about obsessions. This is also the first episode of the third season. We open every episode with a conversation about other things our guest has been obsessed with lately. So not counting cheer, what else have you been watching that you love lately on Netflix? Um, I mean, I think we've talked about my ongoing love for Grand Designs, which is um, less of like a Netflix show and more of a BBC show that Netflix hosts. We have off mic, but on mic, share again. Um, Grand Designs is hosted by a man named Kevin. and uh, <laughs> Does Kevin have a last name? Uh, sure. McLeod, I think. I don't okay. know. I mean, I just, okay. in my world, I have a chat that's of friends that is almost exclusively um, devoted to grand designs, mm-hmm. and it is called Grand Chat. Kevin McLeod, you're right. Yeah. Good one. Um, and it's been on, I mean, British listeners of this program will be very familiar with it because he's like really famous in Britain. It's been mm-hmm. on for like 14 seasons and has more of like a classic PBS style thing but instead of just like a classic home design show with people who are building their own homes themselves mm-hmm. which adds an extreme intensity to the experience yeah. um he it's also like hyper customized yeah like people just building i'm trying to think uh of like a good recent one i watched um it tends to be people who are not super loaded which is pretty interesting mm-hmm. and he asks kevin the host asks like a ton of questions about um, how much it's going to cost and a huge running line of the show is how behind budget they are. <laughs> so, and what is his role on the show? He's the host. And, is he a contractor or is he just the well, host? Well, so in real life, um, he actually has gotten into a spot of trouble in the past few years. Sure, a little British slang. A spot <laughs> of trouble. Okay. Uh, he's been in the Daily Mail a bunch because uh, he, I guess like, because of his home design experience partnered with this contracting firm or something. I'm probably getting the details wrong, mm-hmm. but like to build a whole community of houses. Yeah. And I think has been sued for like a lot of money because the houses are all falling apart. Oh no. And then I also think he's getting divorced. So his personal life <laughs> seems like a disaster, but his professional life, he's so bitchy. Yeah. He's always sort of like needling in on them. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a daily mail catnap they love that yeah personal life in shambles professional life you're mean (laughs) yes (laughs) it's good uh and but the people who go on it are like kind of lunatics i mean you kind of have to be crazy to to build your own house but they always seem to make it out on the end what's the appeal like what is the appeal of someone who wants to be on that show like what do you get out of it just just to be on television or do you get something from the BBC or from Netflix in I don't, exchange for being I on it? Don't quote me on this. I don't think you get paid because um, I think it is like a classic doc mm-hmm. um, in that sense, which we can talk a little bit more about yeah. as when we talk about cheer. But like, I don't know, why does anyone want to be on TV? Like publicity to, you know, most of these people, it's like their lifelong dream to build their own insane mm-hmm. home. 
And a cool thing that they do is that he will visit them usually, I think, like three to four times throughout the building of the house. So you really see it like like he'll be working on one house and watching them work on it for years at a time. So is every episode about one specific house or do they span Mm -hmm. a lot of houses? Yeah. Every episode is one family, one house. You get beginning and end in each one. Of the narrative. Because the problem I have with House Hunters, which I do love near and dear to my heart, I love House Hunters. At the end of every House Hunters episode, they show you like the very, very basic before and after, which is basically the house with staging furniture and then the house. Yeah one month after the the people moved in and there's really not much of a change like you still don't have a sense of what the house really looks like yeah. after they moved in I want to see a start to finish like I want to see the character of the residents mm-hmm. in the house mm-hmm. and not every show really does that yeah you always see it I mean there have definitely been some where they haven't completely mm. finished something because they ran out of money or they have to take more time to decorate it I do like a Chip and Joanna like I like a Property Brothers to an extent but the houses are the host's aesthetic and the host's aesthetic are very easy to pin down so each one is a different thing I like that I would say like there are sort of recurring themes like um, the very like uh, people of the land like you know love to be in nature like a lot of the styles of the homes are really supposed to fit in like with their aesthetic but that's also of like the the neighborhood they're in and mm-hmm. the community but that's also like sort of in vogue for architecture right now in general I would say positively so yeah. that's a good thing it is like a really nice contrast to my other favorite design show on Netflix which is World's Most Extraordinary Homes which is oh, yeah. also I have seen that yeah which as you know is also hosted by two Brits um, <laughs> and is insane in a totally different way which is that the people who do that show seem to all mostly exclusively live in New Zealand and be so loaded it's insane. I do think at least with those two shows the homes are really the homes and then also sometimes the people in them are really supposed to be like what you're ogling at and the story behind that. To your point about the hosts when it comes to Great British Bake Off specifically when they rotated in the new people I was like how am I going to deal? Right everyone and then was I don't freaking care. out. Yeah. I don't care. Like I do, how could I, how could you not love Mary Berry? Yeah. They're filling this void that needs to be kind of a specific character, but as long as you are that type of person, it's going to be fine. Yeah. And now what's her name is leaving too. Noel's co-host. Oh yeah. That is She's a out. little weird because then you're just going to, at least before it was like you had the comedic duo and when they left, you had to just plug in a Get new one. I guess this will be trickier because they'll have to just plug in one half of that. But again, mm-hmm. we've seen them go through we've it. And that show them. is so popular. It's like not going to not be popular yes. anymore. And you're there to meet the new people every time and get to know the new people and yeah. root for people and see the design. My favorite thing about British Bake Off is seeing the sketches. Oh, yeah. And how the sketches. <laughs> you know, it would be great if someone would interview the guy who illustrates or yeah, guy or guy. girl who it's illustrates man. those. It's, like, it's oh, a yeah. man. It's the same one. He's in every single one of them. Has someone already done this? And I, I think someone it? has done okay. it. I think, well, then I'll I think have to Google it. Maybe on BuzzFeed, but correct me if I, I don't know. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Great. Okay. Enough about homes. Let's talk about cheer. Sure. What is it about cheer that you were drawn to? Because this is a show. This is one of the classic Netflix stories or just streaming stories in general where a show comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And suddenly it's dominating, the to use the word, the discourse. Mm. I hate it. But <laughs> it really is. Everyone was watching Cheer immediately and was like, I've watched the whole thing and I've sobbed and you all have to see it. And then before I knew it, I felt late and it had only been a week. Yeah. Like, what? how did you find Cheer? What drew you to Cheer? 
Yeah. So I saw Cheer because of, quote, the algorithm, mm-hmm. which fed it to me nice and big on mm-hmm. my no, I love the screen. Um, and I have a real skepticism or I don't know. Skepticism is not the right word. Um, the term like documentary is really thrown around like real fast and loose these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am generally pretty fascinated in like whether it be like documentaries or docu series or reality TV. The the sort of spectrum that those all exist within is is pretty interesting to me mm-hmm. and the ethical questions that come up through making them. Um, but when I I like it like auto played the trailer and I my immediate reaction was like I'm not going to want to watch this. It's going to be like. I don't know, not serious, I guess, which is not to say I watch a lot of garbage Mm -hmm. just in terms of like, I didn't really want to watch something that was just going to be this like soapy reality-esque quote documentary about cheerleading. But then when I watched the trailer and then I Googled it and I was like, oh, this is from the director of Last Chance U, which is like a very well-regarded series. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed like a much more like interesting and and thoughtful uh, project. And then, of course, like I put it on within 10 minutes. I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) this is really fascinating. I love cheer. Yeah. Did you ever care about cheerleading as a sport before watching the show? I definitely didn't care about it personally. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when I was at Jezebel, where you and I both Mm -hmm. worked, we definitely covered it a bunch, mostly from the professional sports aspect, which is not what this show is about. And that's sort of the point of the show is that um, this is their peak. Right. It's it's very funny in the show they they like literally are like rude to cheerleaders for like basketball and football teams. yeah it's like the first episode yeah. one of them is like but that's not that's, that's not, not what that's we do dancing. yeah no, that's different. dancing no. yeah. yeah um but we cover we did a lot of coverage of you know the women who cheerlead for football for the nfl and for the nba um make like absolutely no money and it's mm-hmm. not a full-time job and so we did a lot of reporting on that part we didn't do a ton on um the increasing I guess, like, sportsification of cheerleading mm-hmm. that this show touches on. But I do think that's partly because it's, as they talk about in the show, it's really changed pretty drastically in the past decade. Yeah. Um, and that was another thing. I mean, one of the things I think is really strong about the series and a real testament to, like, why a series in this way was probably the better choice than just an hour and a half long movie um, is because they really got to, like, cover a lot of angles mm-hmm. of what's, like, a pretty big topic, yeah. I would say. You were talking about documentaries and how there's this large range of the the umbrella, the documentary term can mean so many things. Yeah. But when it comes to a docu-series or particularly one that you're interested in, what characteristics does it have to have to draw you in? I think the reason that's so obvious that this has been so compelling to people is that the characters are amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that is so much of making a documentary is like you have to find those people mm-hmm. and it can take years to find even just the subject and then to find the people within them. I think with this, it's really interesting that has brought up a lot of questions for me is the, I guess, just where the medium is evolving. You know, the show touches on the fact that these women and men are kind of Instagram stars, some of them in their own right. What it isn't able to grapple with is what happens when the show becomes really popular and then that adds to their fame as well which is sort of like not necessarily an ethical quandary for the creators to have handled because I'm not sure how they could have. Mm -hmm. But it being on a big platform like Netflix does sort of bring up these questions of 
like what do we think is going to happen to these people yeah. how are they being presented what is that what kind of life is that going to propel them into in a way that we haven't had with documentaries in the past because frankly for a very long time no one watched them no one watched them and, and number one they were hard to watch yeah um because they were if they were in theaters at all they were in limited release right and, and if they were they out were they like, weren't at blockbuster yeah and they were considered sort of niche art-esque mm. projects that would win you know one oscar Maybe. documentary short this is the second yeah and that's about it um that anyone was paying attention to in the 80s the, the old, old documentaries 70s 80s 60s 70s 80s you're watching a classic documentary like the thin blue line or salesman like there weren't as many i guess or gray gardens even mm-hmm. there wasn't the expectation that you could even find out more about these people like just because it was it was hard the barrier to entry to finding out more was was high and so the documentary was sort of the beginning and end of these these stories and also may have been this subconscious reason to agreeing to even be on it because you would never think that your narrative would extend beyond you know the the credits yeah and here these people yeah they agreed to be in a documentary but do you think that they should especially because they're young, young adults, should they reasonably expect their participation in a documentary to have an expiration date? If these people didn't actually want fame, Mm -hmm. do you think people could reasonably make the argument, well, you agreed to be in the documentary. Sorry, this is what you get. Like, because fame can, in in so many cases, be seen as a curse. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I think a lot of these people are are ready for it and they're okay with it. Well, this one is, yeah, this one is complicated, right? Because these people are performers already. Mm -hmm. So it's not what you'd get if you're dealing with you know a lot of the I mean everybody has a motive for why they're doing any of this right so if you're watching like a true crime documentary that person might want to clear their name Mm -hmm. or if you're watching the Gloria Allred documentary you know she wants to get attention for her law firm or whatever Um, if you're Gloria Steinem maybe you want um, though this isn't a great example because she tends to like always pivot the lens away from her. But yeah. maybe you're, maybe you're interested in like there being some documentation of your life's work or like yeah. Jane Fonda is a good example yeah. of her recent one. Or it was like the, the Nora Ephron one. Her son just wanted to make a tribute to his mother. Right. And I think the thing that's funny to me is that all the quotes from the um, stars, quote unquote, of this one. They've all been like so blown away. Like the the coach who's now sort of being like Yas girl boss mm-hmm. on Twitter. Monica. And yeah, yeah. Instagram. Um, I was reading somewhere where she was saying she's gotten like so many DMs she like can't respond to them anymore mm. um, it does seem like they had no reason to think that this would catapult them to this specific level but that's fame is a very tricky thing right mm. like how can you predict the future I'm sure for these kids um, who we see many of whom have gone through some pretty tough stuff yeah. the idea that they might get some attention that could lead to like some money or just like Anything. help them further their lives, mm-hmm. if, especially if they don't know what they want to do with their life. And that's such a major part of the the sort of final quarter of this yeah. show is that like, what do we do what next? We do especially next? the last episode. But like, yeah. what do we do next? And a lot of them like have very specific goals and actual achievements. Like they're like, oh, I got the scholarship. I'm going to the school. Like, oh, I'm just going to keep doing what I do. Yeah. And, but some of them are like, I don't know. Yeah. I and I know. think it's also like it's always so depends on your subjects right so here you're dealing with um you know gen z which is like a very grew up on the camera Mm -hmm. um used to being on tiktok they have a very different understanding of what it means to be public and have people pay attention to you than like even i do Mm -hmm. 
because you know I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was I think it was Gabby who said it must have been her, and I think she had maybe four or five hundred thousand followers before Cheer, and then after Cheer, she's she's surpassed a million. Yeah, she was saying you know most of my comments are positive, like everyone likes me, but yeah. the one that I, the one comment mm-hmm. that is negative will just throw me for a loop and ruin my day, and it's like watch out. Like you can't, you can't help but watch this show and feel a little bit of worry and panic, like almost parental, like totally anxiety over these, over these, I keep wanting to call them kids. They're not kids. Like I yeah. don't want to act like they're not adults who can make their own decisions, but they're in this complicated stage where I'm just like, God, I hope they're okay. Yeah. I hope they're all okay. And I think that's like you said, that goes back to the casting. There's no one on this show who is a villain. It doesn't need a villain. This, and if anything, this show is about like, there's no such thing as a villain. Well, like there's everyone, no team, right? The, right. Well, but it's like, <laughs> but you know, like, and I think I was sort of hesitant about getting too into this show because I'm in the camp of shorter is usually better. Mm. Like the um, the compulsion to be right, stretch it out, and to go on is usually ill advised and not gonna like you would have benefited from editing, right? I but agree I think with you. in this case, this show benefited from showing as many angles of these people as possible. Because I'm, I'm going to use a comparison to another show that we're going to talk about next week, but The Circle, mm. which is, it's sort of a foil to cheer because The Circle is all about judging based on appearances and like doing the very typical social media stuff where it's like, I like you or I don't like you. Like that's the binary there and that's it. And then here, this show is so nuanced in like how it shows everyone and it shows everyone as damaged and flawed in a way that you can't show on social media. Like yeah. these people can't show these stories on their Instagrams. I think Morgan goes into that. She's like, everyone loves my Instagrams. They think I'm rich and like my life is a nightmare. Yeah. And then, and then I, I don't know, like it's, it felt necessary in a way that was very surprising to me, the length of it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I know some people have been critical of it, but like I also get that argument. Mm-hmm. I think the real question for me is like less about what the subjects can anticipate coming mm-hmm. out of it because you really never know what anything you participate in. The show could in. have been a flop. Right. We, um, be, we might not have been talking about this in like a different world. I'm super interested in, you know, how are our creators of documentary in this field thinking differently, if at all, about how their work is going to be received and the very like complicated ethics of you know, these people are subjects, they're not your friends. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes, you know, you, we see things that are sort of being presented as quote unquote fact that like that's not been the case. Like, and that's has a long complicated history in documentary. Like people get very close to their subjects all the time. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean what they produce isn't accurate or fair. Yeah. But I haven't seen like a ton written or talked about in, in terms of that question. And it's something that I found myself like increasingly thinking about when I'm watching programs like this just because what we're seeing is pretty unprecedented in terms of scale. How would you like as a subgenre of documentary like how would you define this show like like an inspirational documentary like hmm. just a sports documentary like how would you define this show because it's funny to watch the reactions of this be like it's the most heartwarming thing I've ever seen and other people are like this is a nightmare like <laughs> oh my god like how did you interpret it? 
I think it's both. Yeah. Um, you know, it has huge the, the success of it. I'm I'm fairly confident in saying is is based on the fact that it is the classic sports tale. Scrappy underdogs, even though they're not underdogs, they've been winning. Yeah. But they're underdogs in every other category right. than cheerleading. Right. You know, like they don't have many points in their favor. Right. And so they win and they achieve. Sorry, mm-hmm. spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> if you they do so well. But it's real life. They do so, so it's well. not a spoiler. Yeah. And so it has that sort of classic narrative. Mm-hmm. And then I think what it has done really well at, too, is touching on a lot of the current obsessions. I think someone like Lauren Greenfield, who did Queen of Versailles, and she did Generation Wealth, which are mm. two um, really good documentaries that talk a lot about um, consumer culture and fame and wealth in a, specifically American life today. Mm-hmm. It sort of starts tapping into that. It pulls from like, you know, some classic like ESPN 30 for 30 um, mm-hmm. style, you know, what we put through people through physically. Yeah. So it I think its success is that it kind of melded a couple subsets of this like larger mm-hmm. genre. The whole time, my number one anxiety was like, what comes after this? Like, mm. oh, my God, what are they going to do after this? And I'm sure that's their like, if it's my anxiety, it's theirs. Like, who am I kidding? They're thinking about it day in and day out. But that reminder, which is I think true in most sports movies and sports shows, sports documentaries, that it's not really about the sport, it's about the the ideas of the sport and like teamwork and leadership and structure. So much of it is about structure and just like wanting to be the best, like that sort of hunger and aspiration is what they took from it and what they learned from it. And the, I forgot who it was, is it Ladarius? It's someone is teaching another cheer class. Oh yeah, it's Ladarius. It. And it's like, these are the things that you can use from your time at Navarro Cheer that aren't cheerleading because we all know that you can't keep cheerleading after you're 22 or whatever yeah. it is. That was nice to see. Yeah, I hope that like, I guess like the cynic in me is worried that there's a lot of people who watched it and were just like, oh my God, like go you guys, like mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And they're kind of like not thinking about the what's like very serious, very real underlying problems. Mm-hmm. I think the filmmakers did a really good job making entertaining but i think they also did they worked in how like dangerous it is and their lives are up in the air after they win yeah like this is such a triumphant thing but there is just a tricky thing about if you make a narrative too compelling it sort of traps people as well in a weird way like i don't know (laughs) like chatting with some friends and like we were all taking the like buzzfeed like witch cheer uh, Who are you? Character are you? I'm Ladarius. Oh, I haven't apparently. taken it. Um, but it's like these are real people. I don't. know. Mm-hmm. It's like it, and they're not real people in the sense that, like, you know, which friend are you? Mm-hmm. Which is a real character, a, a real fictional character. I mean, this is a, you know a real human that lives out there in yeah. the world. I don't mean to be like melodramatic about it. I don't necessarily think it's like the end of the world, but I I do think there's like something in that question. You know, which one of these real humans who are suffering are you is is kind of funny it's it's yeah it's weird and it's weird that that's like our collective impulse now mm-hmm. like we want to assign ourselves these characters but you have to be reminded that like these aren't characters no these and they char- were also not like edited down to yeah. be as comprehensive as possible vision mm-hmm. of this one person at this mm-hmm. very specific point in their life too which is the story you are going to remain like invested in following up on 
Yeah, I mean that's if you can that's the super interesting part too. Is, I'm like, right? do you want it's to? Like now that do we well to? after it finished, I was like uh, looking at Instagram. Yeah, like me I too. mean, this is like what we were all doing. It's just so fascinating. And it's to like, me. should it's like, I be doing this? Uh, right, all, a few years ago we couldn't do like that. that. Yeah, um, like two years ago mm. we couldn't really do that or didn't think. And to. if you were and if you were in a documentary, like that was it. You didn't have to worry about it anymore. And yeah. now it's like when you were when you or agree... maybe someone like twenty years later, the Times would do like a where are they now kind of thing. Yeah, but it's like when when you was when you agree to these documentaries, like. Like you are sort of in a way agreeing to open your life up for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And that n- didn't happen until, like you said, like 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah. You were, you were I mean, I think the most intense story is probably Jerry's mm-hmm. um, just in terms of like his personality countered with like the extreme loss that mm-hmm. he's experienced. But yeah, I don't know. I think they all are really evocative and Mm -hmm. I found myself wanting to know more about even the people we saw just like a little bit of yeah because like as you know they kind of have to pick okay who's gonna pop Mm -hmm. the most and who's gonna get across what we want to say about this community filming something like this is so time and labor intensive but specifically time intensive yeah I mean just from a filming standpoint I couldn't stop thinking about how many cameras they probably Mm -hmm. had how they it seems like they from what I've read, they like miked when the top girls like are thrown in the air. They like miked them so you could hear them hitting, oh. or th- they did something with the audio that was pretty impressive. Yeah. You could really hear them like hitting the other humans, which yeah. is I mean, adds was, an intensity to it. Like, ugh, what do you think documentaries like this tend to get wrong or tend to fuck up? Um, not wanting to be critical. Mm-hmm. This doc is doesn't beat you over the head with it but it's pretty critical of a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. it's actually surprising to me but refreshingly so how much its subjects seem to be happy with it um which i think is a testament in a good way that they seem to see themselves honestly depicted yeah that that the filmmakers were being very ethical and transparent in their process the result must have been exactly what they expected yeah which is really good to know yeah and who knows i mean maybe they're just like not very bad people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if they'd picked Most other people, people are bad people. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that is something I pay a lot of attention to and always am trying to like suss out. Mm-hmm. And I think the good filmmakers and the good journalists who do this work are pretty transparent. And that's just, at least with this project, I still would really like to hear more about how they went about it and how it compares to when they've worked on other projects. I can't stop thinking about what this may or may not do to everyone in it yeah and like it seems like it's coming at a very it may represent the first docu-series or documentary anything in like knee deep in the social media age that just because it's of its immediate popularity and the people it's about and like the, the fact that the people who are the subjects have this acute understanding of how social media works in a way that we don't we've never seen before really what's going to happen to them and I just like I can't it's so overwhelming like I can't stop thinking about Mm -hmm. it and I and it's this like ceaseless debate since I finished it in my head that's like should I care about them (laughs) should I continue thinking about them should I not should I take this for what it is and then let them live their own lives because if I keep caring about these people's lives like it's going to ruin mine should I let it exist in a vacuum or should I check in on these people and I don't I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know and I don't know what the implications are of my decision either way. Yeah, it's really only now that if you watch something like this that you have the opportunity to keep watching. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I can really think of an equivalent. Well, in it's the also cuz like 
in a year the platforms they're on could not exist yeah. like we just don't even know the sustainability of any of this quote-unquote mm-hmm. fame mm-hmm. thank you kate for coming in to talk about cheer thank this you so much fun. for having me hopefully this cheer. was like i know your shows are usually a little more, more like funny <laughs> this no, is like a kind of intense conversation about the was, nature of documentary but film. i mean everyone's talking about how fun this show is and <laughs> i think there's more to it that makes it something worthy of being obsessive yeah like you know like this show is sort of making me feel crazy <laughs> in like in like not a negative way yeah just like this show is getting me to think about things that i've never had to really consider right um and i think it's unique to like our 2020 experience yeah. you and me both yeah great great to have you here thank you bye kate bye And now it's time to chat with Cheer's very own Gabby Butler and Ladarius Marshall. They just had a whirlwind day at Netflix. I hope you're not too exhausted. (laughs) I guess I'll start with this. So Cheer, the documentary, it hit hard and it hit quickly and everyone loves it. Everyone's talking about it. I just want to know first, what have both of your experiences been like over the past few weeks as you've become the object of so many people's obsessions? So I think our uh, the past couple of weeks since this show has been out, I don't think that any of us expected the outcome to be what it is because, I mean, we thought it was going to obviously hit cheerleaders, but we didn't think it was going to go as viral and as global as it has and mm-hmm. honestly sitting back and like watching everybody's reactions it's it's just insane because we never in a million years thought that any of this stuff would be happening we never thought that actual like celebrities would be tweeting at us or you know commenting on the <laughs> show or anything like that and we just uh we actually just aired on Ellen today and <laughs> I don't think any of us like in a, in a million years would expect any of that to happen. And we're just very, very grateful to um, have the opportunities that we've had because it really it's inspired. Like, I feel like it's very, very heartwarming that we've been able to impact so many lives just by telling a simple story and being us. Yeah. Do you feel the same way, Ladarius? I do. I feel like. We really didn't expect it, and it was, like, such a big thing for us because it was like, girl, we just thought we was just talking to normal, like, just cheerleaders, like, everyday cheerleaders. <laughs> but, no, it was like, no, child, we didn't went global. We over here, we're, we're, like, we're bigger than what we thought because I was like, okay, we're going to get a hum- 100 little followers from cheerleading, and it's going to be very cute, <laughs> and just we going to – it's going to be a cute little get in and get out. But as soon as this thing hit for real, I was like – Oh, so like this is some numbers like people that are like actually like bigger than us, like way bigger than us that we look up to are recognizing us. They're talking about us. They're tweeting about us. I was like, oh, so the girls are ready, huh? So I'm definitely I was definitely was shook. I was like, ooh, I did not. I really did not expect it to be this big. I really didn't. Gabby, I know you had you had plenty of followers to begin with, but you're over a million now on Instagram. What is that like? What is does that add some new added pressure? And Ladarius, I think you have hundreds of thousands as well. Like what what sort of pressures does does this add or has it added to your normal day to day just social life? Does that change anything? Uh, I definitely think that being under the limelight, obviously, you're gonna have pressure on you naturally. I mean. Uh, I did have a following before the show, but the show obviously boosted it um, a lot more. And Mm -hmm. honestly, for me, it's 
I am appreciative, obviously, of the following that I have, and it's opened a lot of doors for me. But I think the more important thing for me is that I was able to uh, touch lives of so many people and just inspire them in ways that I never thought I could. You know, I my main thing was just letting people know it's okay to not always be perfect because you do have so much pressure on you. And I feel like a lot of people forget that we're all human. We all make mistakes. We're not always going to be perfect. And that's okay. Like, it's it's natural. Like, that's mm-hmm. what makes us us. So yeah. that's, like, my main thing is I just wanted to share with everyone that it's okay to not always exceed everybody's expectations. And and Ladarius, what, what message are you kind of hoping to spread with the documentary and then just like moving forward with your career? What do you want people to take from your experience? I want people, I want them to take from my experience that you are stronger than you think you are. You can get through more than you think you can get through. Like your will to be better is stronger than you could have ever imagined and I want them to if they have to use me to watch me as their role model I'm okay with that because I know what it takes to be someone's role model and to lead by example yes it gets tough but it's like I want them to realize like if someone can take themselves from being like 13 or 14 years old and then being like, no, I want better for myself. I want better for my life. And they go out there and they fight and they claw their way to get to that position. Then mm-hmm. I want them to take, you can do anything. It's not about where you came from. It's not about what you've been through. It's about where you're going and where you're going to mm-hmm. end up. For both of you, what what do you think is next in your careers? Ladarius, you were, you were doing some coaching. You said that you were considering even joining the Air Force at some point. What's next now that the time has passed since the documentary was filmed to the time that it's out? Like, how has your life changed from what you expected it to go to where you think it actually is headed now? Honestly, I let the coaching in Florida go and I moved on to coaching again with my cheer dad and his gym in uh, in Pearl, Mississippi. And I absolutely love it. I love them. And I'm my, that's my home, Jam Athletics. I love them <laughs> to death. All those girls and all those guys, like, I live for it. But I want, like, where I want to be headed in my life, it doesn't just stop at just cheerleading. I've always wanted to be, like, an actor. I've always wanted to play in big movie roles and stuff. Like, I've always, m- growing up, thought that I would be that person one day. And mm-hmm. I can see that like more and more as I look at myself and see what I'm doing and meeting all the people that I'm meeting. I live for it. That's great. What about you, Gabby? To be completely honest, I usually never plan like my life. It's kind of like I just (laughs) go where the wind blows and wherever life takes me. And I think that's something that I've always done. I've just kind of gone with the flow of things. And Mm -hmm. I believe, I'm a very firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And I think that I'm meant to be, every place that I've gone in my life, I feel like was meant to happen. And um, I don't really know where I'm going next. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, It's kind of all hitting me really, really hard and really fast. Like, wow, like Mm -hmm. this you know, the show has really, really opened a lot of doors for me. And there's so many 
doorways I can open or take and so many roads I can go down. But I guess whatever I whatever speaks to me the most and whatever I really, really am passionate about is what I will end up doing because I don't ever want to do something, you know, just because everyone else wants me to do it or that kind of situation. I want to do something that I really, really genuinely love and enjoy. I mean, this this came so hard and fast, the the success of this documentary. And I've already mentioned that it seems so overwhelming. Do you stay in touch with the other the other cheer people just to sort of stay grounded and to talk about how things are changing? Like, how do you deal with the stress of this this new like obsessive following from just normal people and celebrities and Ellen DeGeneres? Like, how are you managing day to day right now? I mean, I definitely feel like it. You know, my close, close friends, they definitely keep me grounded and they make Mm -hmm. me, you know, if I'm ever like out of check or I feel like I need to talk to someone to calm down, they'll text me and be like, hey, like, I just want to let you know I'm here for you. And if you need like a reality check or like just someone to kind of lean on and talk to for guidance, like I'm here for you. And I am not, it's crazy because everyone's like, oh, you must have so many friends and so many people that are always like, you know, doing things for you. But honestly, like, I really, really don't have that many friends. And I just think it's really important to keep people in your life that genuinely have your best interest at heart, because it's very hard to come by. And when you do find those type of people, like you need to hold on to them, because it's very rare to have people that are genuinely caring for you and um, want to see the best for you. I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you, but a lot of the people from Navarro, I consider family. And I honestly, like, I see these people in my future and, you know, at my wedding and super important things like that for me. So mm-hmm. I will usually reach out to them if I'm having, like, any troubles or anything like that, I feel like I can really go to, like, them because they're, they are my family. And we went through a lot of things together. And even though we fought a lot, we also loved each other, like, very hard. It was literally like a family. That's what a family is. And I, I guess, Ladaris, like, to, to what Gabby's saying, you mentioned your your cheer dad. What's, what's your cheer family like? Because I guess you have Navarro, but then the rest of your cheer family like how how important has that become to you post this documentary uh i have a lot of cheer families actually <laughs> and i have one in i uh, think every single state that i've ever cheered so but my cheer dad cuz i only have one he is like he is the a big reason in my like a big factor in my life because he showed me what all star cheer was cuz i only knew what high school and middle school like i only knew what school cheer was basically and he pulled me to the side and he was like, you should come to a practice. And then that was the first time I ever saw a spring floor. And that was the first time I ever saw what all-star cheer was. I was like, oh, the girls are tumbling. They're flying. They're just bouncing on this floor. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's what we're doing now. And that's when <laughs> it all started for me at 16 when I saw that. And I was like, okay, so we're just we're just going to keep doing it. And we're just going to – because I already knew how to tumble a little mm-hmm. bit. But learning on that spring floor and having him there – to teach me it really like just kept me like going and going and going so he has played a big factor in my life and giving to me so now that I'm like on my last year of cheerleading 
and finishing out with Navarro and Wildcats Furniture Athletics, I'm going back to give to those kids because of how he gave to me, which is a good thing. That's great. Uh, before we move on to sort of the, the more fun part of, of this chat, I was scrolling through Instagrams before. I was scrolling through Instagrams while I was watching the whole show. You can't help but like try to check in on these people that you're that you're seeing on television. <laughs> but what I was just on Ladarius, your Instagram, and it said, I mean, when it shows your your mutuals, and I saw because I I follow Dua Lipa on Instagram, and it says you are followed by Dua Lipa, and it got me thinking like, what you're was lying. the biggest? It says you are followed by Dua Lipa. Oh my god, I'm checking it right now. <laughs> you, don't make me and try. Charlie XCX. And so I was thinking like, what was the biggest gasp you had with like a a, a famous person's interaction? Well, I just had it. I just had it, and I just choked. I just choked on my drink. I was just drinking my drink, my it's coconut right water. Here. And I'm looking it up right now. Like I can't. It is right here. Not I'm a about lie. to. I'm about to fall out in this chair. <laughs> I really am about to fall out in this chair. Okay. Well, that answers your question. What about What about you, Gabby? Like, what was the most surreal celebrity interaction you've had so far? Even if it's just over Instagram. I gotta think of his name. Uh, it's Skylar. Oh, Skylar Aston. Yes, the guy from okay. Pitch Perfect. From Pitch Perfect, yeah. Yes. Okay, so um it's actually crazy because I watched Pitch Perfect all the time and I that was like one of my favorite movies growing up. So, I actually he DM'd me the other day and he reached out to me which was like sh- I was in like <laughs> I was like completely thrown off. I'm like, "Whoa, this is crazy." And um he was very very sweet with his words. He was like, "Hey, I just wanted to let you know I watched the show and you really really like have like you've inspired me and I just want to let you know that if you ever need anything, like I'm here and I can like be a mentor to you. And to me, that was such a huge thing because that's, that's literally someone I looked up to growing up. And, Mm -hmm. um, it's crazy because it was like one of my favorite movies and I'm like, that's like so ironic. It just, honestly, it's like, it's a, it's a dream. Like, it's touching. Yeah, it's amazing. Have both of you watched the documentary in full? Like, did it make you feel weird watching yourselves on screen, or, or did you both watch the whole thing? I watched it. Yeah, we both watched it. We both watched it. Yes. Was it what you expected? Because I guess whenever you're filming something for that long, it's hard to know how much of it you'll actually be in, and you're both in it so much. Yeah, which is honestly, it's funny because. Uh, <laughs> There were times that I was like, oh, I'm too tired to film tonight. So I didn't think they were really going to use me as much as they did. And uh, then it came out and I was like, wow, like I'm I'm in it a lot. It just it's very it's so strange because uh, before all this happened, I was always on Netflix. Like I'm a movie junkie. I love <laughs> watching movies and I love just having chill days like in my room, uh, just binge watching Netflix and all that stuff so like to Mm -hmm. for me to be sitting in my room and just be being able to be like oh like let me watch let me watch my show like that's that's crazy like that's so weird like that's not the norm like it just it's it's mind-boggling to me Yes, it's almost like this when you're in a certain situation like it almost feels like you're in this bubble and you Mm -hmm. can't really tell what's going on because you're living it 
So for us to sit back and watch everything, it felt like we were reliving it. But like we also mm-hmm. got to see the outside of what everyone else is seeing. And we never knew how good it was going to be and how emotional and how drawn you would be. Like we never mm-hmm. thought it would be like this. So well, it was definitely good. I guess that just brings me to what have you been watching on Netflix lately that isn't yourselves? <laughs> uh, Ladarius, what about you? I watch How to Get Away with Murder because I live <laughs> for it. And that is one of my favorite things to watch. And I'm ready for the new season to get on there because I'm going to binge watch it because I love that entire series. Um, I watch Stranger Things. Oh, my goodness. I love Stranger Things. It is so good. I am so thankful. I don't even know how I even made it this far without having, like, Stranger Things in my <laughs> life. It is so good. Like, those are my two favorite things. And I watched uh, Haunted House on the Hill or Hunted Hill House. The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, The Haunting of Hill House. That was really, really good. That had me shook for a minute. I was like, what is going on in here? <laughs> and the, the reason it was so hard because... I couldn't. I wasn't getting into it because Gabby would literally tell us, "Let's watch it. Let's watch it. Let's watch it." And I'm like, "Girl, I'm not gonna watch no show. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'm tired of him. I'm tired of it." But it was good. It was really, really good. Actually, it was very good. I actually really mm-hmm. loved it. I made him watch it. <laughs> what about you, Gabby? Uh, so I obviously love Stranger Things. Also, I mean, who doesn't love Stranger Things? It's it's such a good show. I love you. I think that you is a very, very good show. And I literally, I was binge watching it when it came out, the first and second season. And I, I'm like, oh, I can't get enough. It's so good. And I also, like Ladaria said, we both watched uh, The Haunting of Hill House, which that show, I'm, okay, so if you don't know this about me, but uh, I'm very into like suspenseful horror like movies and shows like I love like scary movies that's like my thing and um like me and Ladarius and a couple other like friends would watch it at my apartment like after practices and I'm like you guys gotta watch this show like I only watched an episode or two and I was like it's so good we we should all watch it together and it's yeah I absolutely love 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 all of those shows Well, um, I really appreciate you both taking time to talk to me. Um, I want to end by saying I took the BuzzFeed quiz, uh, which of the cheerleaders from Netflix's cheer are you most like? And uh, I'm going to be honest, I got you, Gabby. Anyways, your talent and star power shine in everything you do. No wonder you have so many admirers. Have either of you taken this quiz? Yeah, I got myself. <laughs> I got myself you got yourself. too. <laughs> That's awesome. You really did get yourself. Yes. That's perfect. Hey, question. What's your what's your uh, astrology sign? Taurus. Period. Period. Yes. We're Taurus up in Hill Ghoul. But he got me. (laughs) What? Wait. So, Ladarius, you're Taurus. Taurus. What about you, Gabby? I'm a Capricorn. You're a Capricorn. Okay. Okay. Very witty. Yeah. Well, according to Buzzfeed, I'm you. So. Hey. I don't know what to say. That's but a- it's nice to have like a fellow Taurus. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. fellow Taurus. He's on a nicer side though. If he got Gabby, he's definitely on a nicer side of Tauruses because they're like, there's just two different sides. Mm. You got the calm side, and then you got the me. <laughs> okay, well, thanks a lot for talking to me. Uh, cheers, amazing. Good luck in everything else you do. Thanks a lot for doing this. Thank oh, you of course. so so much. I loved it. I loved and it. And congratulations on 
being followed by Skylar Assen and Dua Lipa. I didn't even know. I just I just looked it up though of um Dua Lipa and I'm literally shook right now. Like I cannot believe she follows me. Like girl, that's amazing. We need to make a song together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Send her a DM. You can now. That's very true. I'm gonna. I'm okay, well, have a good night, guys. Thank you so much. Thank Bye. you too. I love Bye. you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to I'm Obsessed with This. We will be back next week with another episode, and you can watch all episodes of Cheer on Netflix right now. Bye.